This show is dedicated to the following people. Yunoma Wankar and her mother, Florence Osikbu. Robert Mullins and his cousin, Jeff Chapman. Piper Hughley and her sister, Heather Lynn Harris. Lynn Donovan and her son, Trent Dell Gibson. Kenya Branch and his mother, Thelma Branch. Mary and her husband, Aaron Schlegel. Parker J. and her granny, Kathleen Lee Payne. This show is for you. Peering into the tunnel, an outsider's look into grief. That's coming up next right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. Hi, and welcome to The Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about grief. And if you have been following the show, you know this is a very personal subject to me as I recently experienced the grief of the loss of my grandmother back in 2021. Those of you know that she was a very integral part of my life. And having her gone is like having a massive chasm in my life that nothing can feel but her memories. I thought about this topic as we were getting ready to record the show because there are so many author friends of mine who are currently going through grief of their own. I'm just going to mention them today. I want to give a shout out to Piper and her sister. Piper's sister recently passed away from her battle with brain cancer. I also want to give a shout out to my good friend, Lynn Donovan, and her son, Trent. Trent died about five or six years ago. He also died from cancer, and he was a very integral part of her life as well. I want to also give a shout out to Robert and his cousin. Robert's cousin passed away about 20 years ago, but he has never forgotten him. I also want to give a shout out to Unoma and her mom. And I remember when Unoma put her post online, just how devastated she was. And that really socked me in the gut there. I also want to give a shout out to Mary and Aaron. Mary lost Aaron, her husband, and he passed away in a car accident. They're all going through trauma. They're all going through grief. And I hope, my dear friends, that the words that we say in this episode are both a help to you, a comfort to you, and will also get you through these dark days. It doesn't matter if the grief happened years ago or just yesterday. When you're going through grief, you are peering through a tunnel. But we have to know that tunnels don't last always and that there is a light at the end. Who best to help me with this topic than my guest co-host today, Angie Clayton, who wrote the book, Peering into the Tunnel. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And we'll get to her in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, be sure to subscribe to our new YouTube channel at PJC Media or go to pjcmedia.net, click that pink follow button, and you'll never have to miss a show. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest co-host today. Angie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. I never take it lightly when we have our guests. And the way we met is so cool. 
because we met via Shelly Hitch. Tell people about Shelly Hitch real quick, Angie. Oh, Shelly's amazing. She runs an academy for writers, but she also puts on conferences and she has a podcast and she, she is just the most supportive person I've ever met when it comes to writing and publishing your books. And she's also very much an advocate of automation and technology. And she knows how to do things that I've yet to explore. So she's just a wonderful woman of God. She really has a heart for authors to help build their businesses up. So in the show notes of this episode, we're going to give you an opportunity to connect with Shelly Hitch to help you grow your business as an author. During one of these conferences, I did what I do best, talk. And I happened to talk to Angie, and that's how we connected. I want to let people know a little bit about you, so go ahead and share that with us. I'll just start with stuff that nobody wants to tell. I'm 58 years old. <laughs> just get that out of the way. Married, two kids, four grandkids. More importantly, who I am is someone who has just been on a roller coaster of different kinds of ministry things for a very long time. And I worked in big churches, and I worked ministry director, and I worked for a Christian camp for a while. And and then my health sidelined me. And when that happened, I thought I was done. I was I just was crying out to God saying, what are you going to do with me? What in the world could possibly come out of me not being able to do the things that I used to do? And he brought along a new ministry that I call Ministry of Presence. And that is what has led to this book. He brought me grieving people one at a time. The first one being one of my dear friends now who lost two children to suicide. And I walked that grief out with her and still am actually in a way that just helped me to understand grief in a way that I never had before. And it made me realize that everyone wants to be helpful to grievers, especially when someone's had a traumatic loss. But few of us really know how to do that well. And so that was the reason that I wrote the book. That's where it came from and a little bit about who I am. This book is really geared toward people who are outside of grief. Because when you're on the inside of grief, you're very much in an intimate moment. You are dealing with your pain. You are dealing with change to your circumstances. As I said earlier, you're dealing with the chasm that has suddenly appeared in your life. And in peering into the tunnel and outsiders look into grief, Angie takes you step by step with how you as an outsider can help. So let me give you all an illustration. When Granny died, for me, a asteroid had crashed into my earth and left open this chasm. So that's me on the inside of my own grief. But let's say some of you who were with me, who used to follow my post about Granny, you were watching it. That chasm or that asteroid did not open up in your world, but it opened up in mine. And you're looking at the destruction that it left behind and you want to help. And so that's what this book is going to give you, the opportunity to peer into the tunnel, not just by yourself, but with others. And Angie does an excellent job. So make sure you go ahead and love on my sister today. So the first thing we're going to talk about is outside of grief. Why do you think it's important for us to focus on that in this particular book? Well, I think it's important because it's the grievers need people. They need community. And those of us on the outside of it, 
don't really know how to do that. And it's fearful. It makes people nervous. It makes you uncomfortable to be around someone who's grieving deeply. And so to learn, but we want to do it well. We just don't know how. And so I am watching what, what went on after Elaine lost her daughter. I learned so much about how to come inside her circle. I can't get into the asteroid like you called it. I can't get there. That's inside of her. But I can come close to her and I can love on her and I can care for her in ways that are helpful. When you're on the outside looking in at someone else's grief, like you said, you want to help. But your response has to be helpful. (laughs) And I say that because many of us have experienced when people who are very sincere in wanting to help give you the worst advice, the worst comfort, or even tell you, don't be upset by this. This too shall pass. These cliches that mean absolutely nothing. And I have to keep using that visual of the asteroid. You telling me this too shall pass while I'm looking at the asteroid that has decimated my world is not going to help me. So how can we be helpful? In your book saying, it's okay to eat a box of donuts, you give us helpful hints to help people who are grieving. And the first one that you do is this, helpful, talk about their loved one, say their name, recount a memory you have or remind them of a story they told you once about their loved one. Funny stories are good. Not helpful. Don't mention their name. Avoid the subject. Now tell us why this is so important to being helpful to someone who is grieving. Well, especially, I'm going to go to the the very end of what you said about avoiding the subject. I have not encountered anyone who's grieving that wants to avoid the subject of their loved one. They want to hear their name. That matters. And then the business about memories is really important. And you might not think of it because you might think that they don't want you to talk about that person because it's going to make them sad. Or you don't want them to know your memories because they didn't get those memories only you did. But the reality is the stories that they have that they know at to this point are all the ones they're ever going to have. There's no new memories coming for them. So if you have a memory, share it with them, give it to them, hand it to them. They want that. The next helpful hint you say is this. Remember how Jesus was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief? You are too. He knows and is grieving with you, period. Don't expect a response. Not helpful. Telling them things like God works all things together for good or don't be anxious for anything. Go into deeper as to why we have to have this sort of response. Yeah, this is really important because while what they're saying in in these not helpful things are absolutely God's word and therefore they're true. However, quoting these scriptures in the midst of a tragedy just sounds like platitudes because it doesn't mean anything to them when they're in their pain. Eventually, they're going to get that again, but not in the beginning. And saying those things, the worst one I've ever heard is the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. To someone who has just lost a loved one is just adding pain onto pain. And we don't want to do that. None of us wants to do that. The other thing that happens sometimes, and this is kind of a hard truth, is that shooting scripture at someone who's hurting is a way to feel good about ourselves, about our interaction, without ever getting close to the griever's pain. And if we want to come in close to them, we can't say things that push them away. It reminded me of how Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was Job. That is not me. (laughs) Job lived a long time ago and he had a different relationship with the Lord than I do. Okay. So I get it. That's what Job said. That helped Job. That doesn't help me. Right. Job actually was much stronger than me because he lost his health, his wealth, and his family all in one day. He got hit pretty hard. So the very fact that he could say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord, that was comfort for him. That's not comfort for me. And you may be thinking, well, Job had it worse. Uh, Job's not me. Okay. So again, we have to be careful of these cliches. And I love how you talk about people throwing scriptures at you as if the scripture is going to take away the pain. The scriptures can help us through that pain. But when you are hurting, the last thing you want is someone throwing scripture at you. When you actually need a hug, you actually need a shoulder to cry on. You need to know you're not alone. And that leads me to the next thing we're going to talk about in this particular chapter. Helpful. Forgive them for the crazy things they do or say when they are in the depths of grieving. Not helpful. Being offended or disappearing because of the crazy. Why is that important? You know why? It's simple. They can't help it. And when they're in the depths of their grief, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. More than likely, they're not even going to remember it. And they don't mean to hurt you. And so the only thing to do, the best thing to do is to just let it go. And that can be hard because when you're in grief, you are lashing out at grief. But that person is lashing out at you because inwardly they trust you. Inwardly, they know that you can handle it because you're going to be with them after the grief passes or after the grief eases its sting. But right now, I'm lashing out at you. And it's kind of like the example of someone hitting at someone and then they just suddenly collapse into the same person they were just hitting. And instead of that person pushing them away and stomping them into the ground, they actually hold them because they understand it's the grief you're lashing out at not me. So I thought that was a really good way of helping outside grievers grieve appropriately with a person who is dealing with loss. You also break this down as far as our responses between men and women. There is generally a difference between the way men and women grieve. Women in general tend to be more emotional and more expressive and they process things more quickly. Men tend to be more practical and we need to get these things done rather than I need to deal with these feelings. And so often the men suppress their feelings for really sometimes a very long time. Sometimes it's a necessity because it's often the men that are taking care of the finances or, you know, selling a house or whatever, depending on what the case might be. And so they can't, they just simply can't. But as time goes on, then that buried grief eventually does come out. I have an example of a friend of mine whose daughter passed away when she was 23 and she was very ready to put pictures of her daughter back up and her husband was not. And it was a year before he was ready to put up the picture that she was ready to put up a year before. And so this is a hard thing for marriages going through a loss that affects both people. It's the same loss, but the effect can be very different. There's a friend of mine named Kenya, and he told me when his mom died, he didn't actually feel the sharp sting of that grief until a year later because he had to take care of so many different things. He had to take care of the funeral arrangements, company coming in, business, 
all of that had to be taken care of. And most men, generally speaking, are directed to action. And so it actually makes sense. But when those tasks are completed, you have time to think about it. And you sit there like, oh, my gosh, there's a chasm in front of me. King told me about that. And I thought it'd be good to mention him because his mom died some years ago. And he was actually helping me with my granny's grief because I had called to talk to him about something else. And poor man, I just unloaded on him. <laughs> and he was telling me his side of the story. And I love that. Now, for me, I'm an extrovert. And how extroverts generally respond to grief is different than how introverts generally respond to grief. We don't want to make blanket statements for everyone. So I want you to talk about that, too, because that can have an effect on how you respond to your loved one as well. Yes, it it definitely does. Extroverts in general get energy from being around a lot of people. And so it's helpful to them to go to the grief groups and gatherings and have a lot of meetings with friends and things like that to just have kind of a constant stream of things that are helpful to them coming in. Introverts, however, they just want to do it alone. They need to do it alone. And they need a couple of people that will come in and stay by their side, but they don't need crowds, definitely, because crowds drain them as opposed to giving them energy. And so it's important to know your griever, the person that you're coming alongside. Are they someone that needs a lot of people and you can just kind of touch base with them now and again because there's 50 other people doing it? Or are they someone that is an introvert and is maybe doing it more alone? Either way, it's very important to reach out, but you might reach out differently depending on whether they're a man or a woman and depending on whether they are an introvert or an extrovert. There are some outside grievers who are firefighters and outside grievers who are builders. What's the significance of these two terms? Okay, this is a subject that I really like to talk about. Firefighters and builders are people that come in during and after a traumatic loss. And the firefighters come in right away. They're there within 20 minutes. They're getting meals organized. They're getting practicalities ironed out. They're making sure the kids have funeral clothes, directing traffic, doing all of those things that just have to be done by somebody because the people that are grieving don't have the ability. Very simply, they do not have the ability to take care of those things. And so firefighters are so important. However, what happens when the fire is out? The firefighter goes home and waits for the next fire because that's what firefighters do. But it's at this point where someone who is grieving needs to have a builder or some builders come in alongside of them. And they are the ones that swim out into the deep, deep, dark waters and stay there. They just stay. And Yeah, sometimes they'll get it wrong too. But for the most part, there's a lot of listening. There's a lot of crying together. You know, my friend Elaine has told me that my tears matter. It matters to them that you cry with them. As an extrovert, I wanted to know you were thinking about me. I wanted to know that it mattered to you. And you also talk about here, and we didn't get a chance to talk about before we started recording, so I want to talk about it really quickly. You mentioned delayed grief and pre-grieving. So I was in the pre-grieving part. I wanted people to reach out to me. I wanted people to say, sorry for your loss, because just your acknowledgement of my grief made me feel better. I did not expect you to be the builder all the time. I actually wanted the firefighters with me because that's when the fire is hot and burning. That's when it's sizzling and tearing down your foundations because Granny had just passed away. And I want to give a shout out to Lynn. And she was the young lady I mentioned 
Angie, who lost her son several years ago. His name is Trent. Lynn was there with me. I would call her and she would answer the phone right away. She would stop whatever she was doing. Oh my gosh, we're not going to cry. But she would stop what she was doing and she would just let me talk about Granny. And she was always there. Another one who did that was my girlfriend, Christine. She also did the same thing. And then another girlfriend of mine, Sarah, she would just hit me text. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. They did that for the first week and then they continued to do that for the first probably five to six months after Granny passed away. And it wasn't every day. It wasn't an everyday thing. It was just a constant, consistent way of checking up on me. And so me, I wanted that. But you mentioned pre-grieving, which I think a lot of that is for me. And you also mentioned delayed grief. Let's talk about the differences. Okay. Well, I want to go back to the three women that you just described and just point out very clearly that those women are builders. They have been builders with you. And so you have given some very good examples about how to be one. Just reaching out doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't have to be a hard thing. It just has to be staying connected. But moving into the pre-grieving and the delayed grief, often you can do some pre-grieving if you have time ahead of when your loved one dies. It might be a long, long goodbye. It might be shorter or you might not have any inkling at all and it might just blindside you. If you have a little bit of time, you're obviously going to be grieving if you know your person is going to die. That's that you know that, then the grief starts then. And so it doesn't mean it got it out of the way, but it sort of helps somehow. Maybe Christian's the worst of that blow, but it certainly doesn't take away from the amount of grief you're going to feel when they do die. Delayed grief is when you push it down and don't deal with it at all. And it comes back out at you months or years or even decades later sometimes. I know someone who, whose father died. It was 20 years probably after he died. And she came across something that he had written and began to cry and began to grieve. And she grieved as if he had just died, even though it had been 20 years, because she never did it in the first place. It brings me to an excerpt I want to read. It's about planets. And you say here, talking about your friend Elaine, you say she is living right now on planet my baby died and I'm living on planet my friend's baby died. Is it the same planet? No. Her grief is unique, like her thumbprint, but so is mine. And somewhere they must be connected because parts of our thumbprint a little bit alike. Our planets are in close proximity and we can visit each other but both are far away from planet Earth. On planet Earth, other people's grief can be detached from or talked at or a fix can be attempted from afar. Grief is diluted and sterilized on planet Earth. When we are suffering, grieving, the impossible, our vision is narrowed to a painfully bright slice of reality. We are ragged, but not detached. We ugly cry, yell, beg, and whimper. And I love this excerpt because it really matched my whole idea about the asteroid crashing into my planet and leaving that chasm. And even though we're in the same orbit, we're not on the same planet, but we are still meant to be a help to each other, which brings me to the next point about being burden sharers. And I'm going to read a quick excerpt about that and then have you expand on it. And in the excerpt, you say this. Let's be burden sharers. Let's not be afraid to be honest in our pain. 
And let's be willing to help carry that which is impossible for our friends to carry alone. I would love for you to expand about this because you're not just talking about the person outside of the grief. You're talking about the griever as well. Yes. And then there's actually a really amazing example of this in scripture. Um, and it's, it's in Exodus. And this is kind of my paraphrase of the story. But the Israelites were at war. Moses and his two friends had climbed to the top of a hill. And as long as Moses held up his staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But as soon as he dropped it, then they started losing. Well, Moses' arm got tired. He was holding that staff as long as he possibly could, and he got to where he could not hold it any longer, either one of his hands. And so what happened? His brother and his friends came alongside him, and they found him a stone to sit on. And then they stood on each side of him, holding up his arms. And they held him that way till sunset. And they won the battle. Okay, so here's how that applies to us, is that we can come in and be burden shares, which means we can help hold up other people's arms when they're under the weight of something that's just absolutely too much for them to bear. And while they're finding their way, they've got to have someone who can help hold them up. And I guess this is my battle call. My call to action for people is to be willing to go in and hold up the arms of those that are hurting so badly. I love the example that you gave about Moses because so many of us know the story well. But we're used to seeing it in the victory stance, because as long as Moses held up his hands, they won the battle. But you're telling us it's not just about winning the battle. Sometimes we have to lose. And I got to go to pop culture really quickly, because I love the movie Inside Out. And in Inside Out, we have these emotions in our main character. And one thing that happened in the movie was one of the happiest memories that the character Riley experienced was actually during the saddest time. And what they were trying to depict with that scene was that sometimes when you reach out while you're sad, there are people willing to come along and help you during your sadness. And so they lifted her up on her shoulders because she lost the big game. They lifted her up on her shoulders and they made her feel better. And just in the secular world, if we can have those emotions when we're hurting and grieving, how much more than those of us who are in Christ can help each other too. And as we get ready to close our show today, I want to thank you so much, Angie, for being with us. And I want to read a scripture that you highlight in the book, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Basically saying that we don't have to do this thing alone, that when we are in grief, we may be peering through the tunnel. We may be in the tunnel, and those of us on the outside may be peering into the same tunnel, but we can bear each other's burdens, and we need to be willing to do that. When you pick up your copy of this book, you are going to be amazed at the wonderful insight that Angie has into this subject. As I was reading this book, I need to tell you, dear listener, I talked to Angie for an hour before we started recording. It is that type of book. It's going to help direct conversations. It's going to help you direct your efforts with someone who is grieving. It's going to help you learn that grievers are going through an incredibly emotional and stressful time, even if they look as if they're not. So you have to be cognizant of that too. 
another thing she gives us is don't always ask the griever for help, meaning that don't always ask, hey, do you want to go out to the store? Just say, hey, I'm bringing you donuts. Just tell them that because they can't make decisions right now. One thing we definitely don't want to do is abuse the griever. We don't want to make them guilty for feeling grief. We don't want to shame them for their grief. So this book is going to give you practical tips as well as spiritual advice on how you can be as an outside griever. And Angie, once again, thank you for sharing that with us. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to mute myself, and then I'm going to have you pray for us today. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just uh, come before you today with the knowledge that you are the source of all comfort. And Lord, I pray for those people that Parker mentioned, first and foremost, that they, in their grief, would find comfort in you and that there would be people that come alongside them to help them hold up their arms if that's what they need. And Lord, I just pray that that would be something that we would all be willing to do, that we would lay down our fears and our concerns and maybe our unwillingness to enter into someone else's pain and and just be brave and go ahead and go in, get into that deep water. Yes, Lord, I pray for that. God, for the grievers, I pray for them that they would have comfort in you, even if they can't see you. Lord, I know you can handle anger, you can handle confusion, you can handle all of those things. And so God, I pray that you would just come close to the people that are hurting so much and help them to remember that you know what it feels like to go through what they're going through. And Lord, I thank you for Parker. I thank you for this show. I thank you for the time that we had to speak together before the show started. And I pray that you would just continue to bless her ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And it's with pleasure that I dedicate this show to all of those who are grieving. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.